Thank you, Michael. Your job is secure for another week, brother. Thank you. If that worship didn't uh, light your fire, then as my old southern uh, worship leader used to say, your wood's wet. You don't hang out with southerners very much, do you? Okay. Well, good morning, saints. We have been studying uh, through the Daily Bible, and I have a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you just before we jump in with today's message. I brought my own old worn-out copy. You all know what that is. That's, that's what Bibles used to look like before they became electronic, and you, uh, you actually turn pages. I mean, I know it's a, kind of a foreign concept these days, but uh, just in case we have to look up anything extra... Um, I was thinking about the worship that we had this morning. It was pretty amazing. And that one passage kind of, well, it choked me up when I said, I'm looking to where my true possessions lie. You know, the only way you can take it with you is you've got to send it ahead. Did you know that? You have to send it ahead. And uh, part of sending it ahead is not just talking about money and possessions, although that matters. Uh, I can find out if I really am a worshiper of Jesus simply by looking at my schedule and looking at my checkbook, looking at what I own, how I use it, all of that. So one of the ways that we, uh, we send it ahead is by serving the Lord, and that's why we do things at church. We try to minister to other people, help people come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, as Ben was just praying a few minutes ago. And um, this... Um, this fall is the time when everything kind of cranks up, and I'm just mentioning this quickly because fall is coming quickly. This is the first week of August already, 2018. Anybody out there going like, it can't be? That's how I feel. Can't be. 2020 is two years away. That seems like it should be the end of time, don't you? It's like, don't you think Jesus is going to come back by then? Wouldn't that be interesting? Some of the songs were about that. Some of what I'm talking about today is about that. But uh, before we exit and go to our reward and uh, send our possessions ahead, we need to be about his business here. So, you know, junior church, which is uh, kingdom kids, all of that goes on in the fall. We need Sunday mornings manned. And we also are looking at, you know, we have a program called Awana. And... um, we don't like this kind of dialogue, but if we can't man it, we don't do it. So some of us are newer as members. Some of us maybe have been healing up and waiting for an opportunity. That ministry is a very good entry-level opportunity. You don't have to know much. In fact, you can, you can be, well, you know what I meant by that. That came out all wrong. You don't even have to have any, but how's this? All right, you guys shape up over there. You don't even have to have any Bible verses memorized because you'll learn them on the job, right? On the job training. training. Doesn't get any better than that. We pay you for it. Not here, up there. And uh, he's going to pay you for it, right? So amen. Anyway, so here's my point. If you're thinking about it, you need to step up soon. You need to say something. Contact Tim. Contact Jennifer Simons. She's taken point. And there are other people willing to take point. I'm looking at one. And uh, so if you're interested, contact those people. Say, yeah, I think we'd be interested. Don't abandon another post if it's critical. Don't do that. You know, I got, I got a church in crisis that people are talking to me right now. It's like, I'm not going to abandon you to go help them, okay? I don't think. I'll pray about it this week. Anyway, no. I'll help them as I can, but I can't abandon my first primary assembly. So... Okay, our, our series that we've been doing, if you're visiting with us, has been in the Daily Bible. And there it is. That's, the, that's it. God's love letter to us. Do you realize that? And I think about this. We've asked for questions. I've noticed that this summer, the questions have kind of piddled out. Now, this, you don't have to be sorry. I'm going to tell you my suspicion why. My sermons are so amazing. Yes, that's the right future elder at Harmony. I, can, I, I just felt the spirit tell me that. Uh, boy, anyway. <laughs> no. I think we've dropped it a little, right? 
a lot of, oh, I've fallen behind, I give up, please don't give up. And uh, my brother Ryan exhorted me, we've kind of made it humorous, you know, we've fallen behind, right, and, uh, and we kind of chuckle. But really, um, if we really believe that God has spoken to us, aren't we hungry to know what he has said? And so let me just exhort you to get back on it. Even if you have to start all over or you've got to pick up where you were and you don't get finished for another two years, at least you'll get through the whole Bible. How many of you ever been through the whole Bible? This is not, you know, so I'm bragging and everybody else can, that's not the point. Um, it should be normal for a Christian at least once if, they, if God gives them enough years to be through the scripture, whether we understand it all or not. It's his truth given to us. And are there portions that you go, what is this all about? Yes, even pastors have those, all right? Like, oh, yeah, and he begot so and begot and he begot and begot, 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 begot. And I love pronouncing all the names. I love it. That's why it takes me so long to get through it. But anyway, things like, things like that. You ready to start? So some questions came my way, and they all centered on what we were singing about today. When we all get to heaven, we all are the children of God, not everybody. When we all get to oh, that sounds exclusive. Yes, it does. Not my choice. Jesus made it clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's crystal clear. By the way, man means men and women. Just don't try to get away with anything here. So with that in mind, I want to launch in. And so would you join me as we ask God's Holy Spirit to help us and illumine our minds today? Thank you, God, for the gathering of your people. Thank you for all who are here today, friends, seekers, people wondering about this person, Jesus, about this... Um, this faith that has become kind of a, a, an ignored or kind of opposed uh, way of thinking to large portions of our culture. Sometimes because Christians have not done so well in their behavior, but also because we're, we're living in a world where what's existing right now seems to be the priority. Making it big in this world and getting as much junk and toys as you possibly can get makes you the winner as much status, as many likes as you can possibly get. If I get on video, if I get my five minutes of fame and the news, oh, I've arrived, and Lord, it's all emptiness. Because one day, we're going to pass through a door called death, every one of us. And I want to be looking ahead, and I believe your saints want to be looking ahead to where my possessions really lie, where it's going to last. Help us to have understanding about these things today. I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to assist us. I'm asking for my, my friends in the room, brothers and sisters, those who are guests and visitors and wanderers and seekers and not sures, that, Lord, you would help us to identify, that's me, that's where I'm at. Here's the decision I need to make. Here's some changes I should make in my life. Just help us. Because you love us and you want us to do well. If that wasn't true, we wouldn't have been rescued, as a brother reminded me after the last time of Q&A, that Jesus, the Savior, the Lamb, was slain before the foundation of the world on our behalf. It was your intention, God, to rescue your children and delight in them and let them enjoy you forever from before the time of the fall. You had us in mind. That boggles our brains. But we who have come to rest in you need to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making us your children. So today we come asking for the help of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the way he told us to pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Did I pray too long? It looks like you got lost in there. I... Okay, just checking. I don't know if there are rules for praying in church, are there? The more the better, I agree with that. So, 
Last time, when I had uh, shared the scripture and, and uh, we had a lot of dialogue and Q&A, I was simply trying to present one simple thing. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, questions about Christianity, just simply trying to make the point that it's rational, that there's a case for creation as we understand it, for Adam and Eve to be real people, that all mankind spread upon the earth, that religious thinking actually devolutioned, devolved rather than evolved into idolatry, starting from monotheism. And so, and by the way, as we just mentioned, the fall was not God's fault. It was not God's fault, except he allowed it because he was going to glorify himself in his children. This is something that's mind-boggling to me, because when you look at yourself in the mirror, don't you go, really? I mean, in us, you're going to glorify yourself for eternity. Are you sure you got this right? He did get it right. We're going to wonder at him, and he's going to delight in us. Isn't that profound? But that should make some kind of difference in the here and now. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And the rules that God gives us in the word of God are for his blessing. Remember, the main point I was trying to make is his intention is to bless not to bring opposition. We're the ones in our rebellion who bring opposition on ourselves. We bring ourselves out of submission under God's authority. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. If I bring myself out from under that authority, I don't submit to God, then guess what? No covering, the enemy can pound the daylights out of me, and he does. One of the burdens, and I'll simply say this and then I'm going to launch, that I have for our assembly, we may get the idea that I'm on my way to heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Everybody said amen. amen. Well, you don't have to say amen if you don't believe it, but amen, right? Okay, so I know I'm getting there. The point that we often miss, a brother was praying with us this morning as we were preparing for worship. He has delivered us from eternity away from him, but he's also delivered us from the power of sin in the here and now. You've heard me say this for five years, so that's nothing new. Here's what's new. Unbelief has so saturated our minds, we have no expectation of actually getting free of some of the dirt in our lives. Time to change that. As we move into the fall, we're going to be... I, I've said to some of my friends, I'm actually going to start pastoring harmony. I mean that in the best way. We want to move ahead. We want to see victory. We want to see victorious saints. Not, and when I say that, that doesn't mean people who are like, oh, I'm happy, all that, you know, phony. That's not what I'm talking about. We're strugglers. But God has ordained that we can have victory over the things that damage us and damage each other. So we want to move toward that. We move toward the fall. Uh, we're going to celebrate the fact that finally after, what was it, six or seven years, we have an elder board again. We're trying to train leadership. We're trying to move into the fall in a positive uh, directive. And so we'll be celebrating that early in uh, September. What was the date, you know? The 12th of September, we're going to try to have a, a commissioning and a, a potluck dinner. Baptists have to have potluck dinners. Just make it a time of great fun, okay? So I'm looking forward to that. All right. I got a bunch of questions, both old ones from last year and new ones, that had to do with life after death. There's an awful lot of um, pop theology about what happens when we die. I deal with this often because in my business, I have the, both the privilege and the hardship of helping people bury their dead. And you have to speak life. If a person has genuinely put their trust in Christ, then you have reason for rejoicing and you have reason for speaking strong hope. If not, you're hoping people will start to understand that some decisions need to be made in this life in order to be prepared for that life. But that is a subject that we just do not think about today. You read uh, obituaries, you hear things like, so-and-so became an angel this week, or so-and-so got their angel wings, which is unbiblical. So-and-so is at that great fishing pond in heaven with Jesus. Zzz, blip, 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 blip. 
There, well, there may be, in fact, in the, in the millennium. But, oh my goodness, I don't think you have chapter and verse for that one. Or the great hunting grounds. He was never in church because he was always hunting. But everything's okay now, really. Jesus did not want us to be in ignorance about this. And so my title this morning is Wanted Dead or Alive. Uh, you remember the old expression, this guy is wanted dead or alive. And in, in Christ, we are both of those. And I want you both of those things. Both dead in Christ and alive in Christ. And I'll explain what that means. Of course, there is a sense in which in growing in Christ, we need to die to our flesh. That's for a future time. But let me just unpack this. If you're a note taker, you have a note section in your bulletin. You can follow along. We want to talk about bringing some clarity to questions about what happens after death. Do you know what the, the, the theological topic for this is? It's called eschatology. Anybody ever heard that? Eschatology is the study of last things, right? Last things, the last, eschatos, what happens at the end. We often think of the second coming of Jesus. That is part of eschatology, right? Heaven and hell, the second coming of Jesus, the millennium, the fact that he is going to break into history visually. He's going to... Can I tell you a story? Of course I can. My uncle was a missionary to uh, migrant workers, both in California and Bakersfield, down in the, in the Florida uh, area, and also, uh, you're going to love this one, he suffered for Jesus in Hawaii. <laughs> but he was a big eschatology fan, you know, mapping out the last days. That's why I kind of tongue-in-cheek said, maybe by two tw- 2020, you know, Jesus ought to show up, right? Uh, No man knows the day or the hour. Just get that straight. Just get it straight. But he was driving through the desert one day out in uh, the California, Arizona desert. Actually, it was night. The sky was black. He's driving along. He's He's an excited follower of Jesus. He's trying to lead people to faith. He's driving along, and all of a sudden, the whole sky went bright. It was daytime. Bam! And he goes, this is it! It was an atom bomb test out in the desert and back when they were allowed to do stupid things like that. And of course, his attitude was, oh, shucks, you know, because he was a big eschatology fan. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to invade history. That's part of eschatology. But one dimension of eschatology, doctrine of last things, is what happens to us after death. And so... God has not left us in the dark, and I want to answer some people's questions because I've gotten some good ones. Here's one that came from someone in our church family, and uh, talking about a relative that had passed away. I'm interested in heaven because of that. My question is, once in heaven, do you know and remember your family? That's a good question. Does my relative know if I talk to him? Did he help my mom with some circumstance, right? I mean, there's a lot of this kind of thing that that is a dialogue, we wonder. So let's try to get some clarity, if we can, as we move along on this. Let's start with the living. I want to start with the living. And I absolutely love this text. And that when I say the living now, I'm talking about living not on this earth. So look with me, if you would, at this wonderful passage. I've used it before, out of the book of John. First, and I'm going to have to just kind of comment, you know, by the way, can I, I forgot to say one other thing. The stakes are getting higher. I mean, it's hard trying to compete with some of my staff preaching. They've been doing pretty good. Yes. No, it's wonderful. I love it. So those guys do a great job. I got three of them here that all do a very good job. Don't you agree? They really do. But I'm going to beat them today. I love this passage. Jesus said to them, he's talking with, oh, oh, by the way, I should set this up for you. In case you don't know the story, people were constantly trying to trip up Jesus. If you're a real Jesus person, there's going to be people trying to trip you up. Welcome to the fam. 
All of God's people said, Amen, Pastor J. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not something we love. Persecution isn't something that's fun or being picked on. Had it happen, it's all right. Can we put that back up? Here's the background. Sorry. I, yeah, you, you're working with me. Ryan, you're awesome. I'm giving you a raise. He's going to get double what he already gets. Jesus is up against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. For those of you who don't know, the Pharisees were the Baptist Bible thumpers of Jesus' day. You don't like that? Sorry, that's who they were. They were the fundamentalists. They were the ones that, this is what it says. Don't mess with it. They were, they were right on that. The Sadducees were the liberal churches of Jesus' day. Oh, we're not really sure there is a soul. We're not really sure there is a resurrection. That's absurd. Who would believe in such nonsense? So they tell him a story. You're going to remember it now. They were, you know, in the Old Testament, they had leveret marriage so that women would not be childish, uh, childish. They would not be childless. I guess they could be childish, but they were not, and so could men. They, they, they would not be childless because that was your future. And so if you had a brother and you married the brother and he died, then the other brother was supposed to marry her and give her children. Aren't you glad we don't live back then now? All the women are going, oh my gosh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so they make up a story. There were seven brothers. You can see what's coming, right? She marries him. He croaks. The next one croaks. The next one croaks. She marries all of them. They all had her. Finally, the last one croaked, and she said, thank God he died. You know, she's had enough. Which one will be married to her in heaven? Oh, please. So here's Jesus' response. Is this not the reason you are mistaken? That's what I love about Jesus. Oh, well, now let's think about this a little bit. No, you're wrong. That you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God. You want to know why churches are broken and dead? I can tell you why. You either don't know what God really says in the word, and you definitely don't know, have never seen, a visitation of the Holy Spirit that changes things. Once you see the deliverance of a demonic situation, a person who's demonized, getting thrown into your bookshelf, falling on the floor, screaming, and then freed and transformed, well, maybe what that book says is true after all. That's because it is. And so Jesus is saying to them, here's your problem. You don't know the power of God, number one. And number two, you don't even know his word, even though you pride yourself on it. You're missing it. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. How many men ever read that and went, oh, shucks. We're going to know each other. Sidebar, everybody's like on the edge of their seat on this one, right? Well, what, what is that saying? We're like the angels. I think that's less about gender than it is about communion and pleasure. At God's right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Marriage is a great pleasure. God gave this gift to humanity for blessing. The blessings and pleasures we have in heaven will so surpass that, it'll be irrelevant. And we're like the angels who are not bound in marriage or anything like that. We're on a whole different level. But we are uh, experiencing this life for real. Here's what it says. We're like the angels in heaven. But regarding the fact that the dead arise again, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the burning bush how God spoke to Moses saying, Who am I? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of who? The living. You are greatly mistaken. You're off track. You missed it. I don't care if you are part of the church community, Pharisees and Sadducees. I don't care if you're part of the Jewish community. You're missing it. Do we understand that? When Jesus was here, he said to his disciples, I can't go over there right now. I have been called to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. The Holy Spirit sometimes comes to the lost sheep of the tribe of the church so that we actually get 
this relational thing. It's not about doing religion. It's doing this connecting between the true God and myself. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're all alive. They're living. Jesus said at one point, you know, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. What? What is he talking about? If you remember the context, they start yelling at Jesus at that point. What are you talking about? You're not even 40 years old yet. How could you see Abraham? Because I was there with him. Come on, guys. I was there with him. He saw the time of my coming into the world and he rejoiced because he knew the whole plan of salvation was coming into fruition. Jesus was coming to die for the sins of mankind. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. When Abraham was born, oh oh boy, here you go. Am I allowed to say this? No, never mind. It'll just be too convenient. If Jesus said the truth, do you think Jesus said the truth? Except the man or woman be Somehow it had to happen to Old Testament saints. Abraham came to new birth somehow. Okay, Did he have the promise of the Spirit like we do? No. But he came to faith. Abraham saw my day. He saw it and he rejoiced in it. The dead saints are living. They're alive. They're active, conscious, etc. Will we know each other? Absolutely. Oh, well, let me make sure I didn't miss a thing. Yeah, we'll come to that in a second. So, here's the next passage I want to share with you. This is in Luke chapter 9. It starts with the story of Jesus going up to the mountain. The transfiguration happens. And behold, while all this glory is manifested, and he's with the three insiders, right? Uh, Peter, James, and John. Behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah. What? What? Moses and Elijah who appearing in glory were speaking of what? His departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting? The living, Abraham, sees him going. Now he's going to go back. The living, Elijah and Moses, are talking to him. They're dead, aren't they? No, they're alive. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, they died. Their physical body died, but they're alive. Um, Who was it? It was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said, one day soon, you're going to read in the paper that Dwight L. Moody. Everybody know who Dwight Moody was? Great evangelist 100 years ago and uh, more than 100, 150 years ago, won thousands of people to faith. Moody Bible Institute's a result of his ministry in Chicago. He said, one day soon you're going to read in the paper that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe it. I will be more alive then than I've ever been here. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? I don't know that we do. Oh, I cling to... uh. All right, so I'm preaching a little bit here because I think settling this issue is so massively critical. It frees me to truly live my life because I know my next life is settled. Gives me freedom. Gives me courage at times. Gives me freedom from being bound by everything, you know, that we think we have to have in this world, which we don't. While they were speaking to him, Moses and Elijah, we shall... How did they know? How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? They were recognizable. And they were communicating. And Jesus talks to his disciples. I can imagine. Can you imagine the conversation after this? The first thing they go is, we need to do something. I mean, Peter, remember the story? Peter gets religious all of a sudden. He's probably broken into a really intense sweat. Let's put it that way. I'll be, I'll be nice about it. Lord, uh, it's good that we were up here on the mountain. We should make three tabernacles, you know, little shrines. Jesus ignores them. They're going down. Who were the, wasn't that who I thought it was? Yes. They even say, one for Elijah, one for Moses, one for you. They were recognizable. We're going to know one another in glory. Do you believe that? We're going to know one another. In fact, Paul said, we will one day be known even as we have been known. So our knowledge will be far greater than what we have here. 
including knowing one another. These individuals were recognizable. So the question was, will I know family? Yes. Those who come to be with us in glory, we will be recognizing one another. That's the living. How about the dead? And I'm talking now about the dead in Christ. So here's a question. My aunt said, you do not go right to heaven. I told my family that you do. My question is, who's right? (laughs) You know, you both can't be right. That's for sure. Do you go straight up or can it take years? (laughs) That's a great question. These are all wonderful questions. They are. Right? The only question that's not a good question is the one you're not asking. You should ask it. Because if you're thinking it, so is somebody else. Right? So here's what the scripture is very clear. Most of you who have been Christians for a while will recognize 2 Corinthians. Therefore, being of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say. Listen to his language. We prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Sounds like the song we sang. I'm eyeing my possessions over there. Looking forward to going. I'm hoping I get to build a log cabin in heaven. I don't know. Huh? Buy a lake. With a fireplace. Let's, uh, should I keep going? No. Doesn't matter. Because whatever is there is going to be as satisfying and more so than what I was longing for here. We walk by faith. I say we prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Is it clear? When we're gone from the body, we see Jesus. Do you remember we named our son, our first son, Stephen, after the martyr, the first formal martyr. The first informal martyrs were the children that were murdered by Herod. That brings us to my last question. If you see the eye on your notes, it's the innocence. We may not have time to get to that. We'll pick it up next time. But innocence, go to be with him. But Stephen, it says, while he was being stoned to death, is forgiving his murderers. And it says he looked up toward heaven. He said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven. I heard a great sermon point on that. I don't know if it's absolutely true, but I suspect it may be. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. The fact that he saw him standing meant Jesus was getting up to welcome number one in for his glory. Can you imagine? He saw and he went right into the presence of the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches as best as we can understand it is that absent from the body means immediately into the presence of the Lord. The question becomes, there are two views that are out there, just so you're aware. One is the teaching of purgatory, which really comes out of 2 Maccabees, which is not a canonical book. That means it's not considered by Protestants as biblical, where there's a reference to praying for the dead. Nowhere else in the Bible is there a reference that that's the right thing to do. In fact, Something quite the opposite. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this comes judgment. So things are old. If you don't make use of the time you've got here while you're alive, the gig is up. So that was one view, is that we're in a holding tank that purifies us. That's what purging, purgatory, is referring to. It's a burning off, and literally it meant fire, to burn or purge away sin and evil, getting us ready to enter into heaven. But that is not reinforced biblically. It is a church dogma, but not a biblical dogma. And the other view is what is called soul sleep. You've probably heard of that, where basically you're not conscious. It's like when you're not dreaming and you're asleep. Now, I don't know about you. When I dream, I know I'm dreaming. Isn't that weird? Like it's a bad dream, it's going badly, and I just go, that's all right, it's not real. I say that to myself, you know. So your brain is definitely working while you're sleeping, but there are times you don't know of anything. So soul sleep is that idea. You're just kind of until the rest. Oh, it's coming. Questions and answers coming in a minute. So soul sleep. That's another view which, not going to fight with people about it, may be remotely possible, but not likely in light of the verses we already just saw. Okay? 
But there was a um, there was a uh, question. By the way, I'm not mentioning any names, Angela, but um, she was quoting from Daniel chapter 12, verses uh, 12, 13. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So the idea of resting is where some of that comes from. We'll, We'll unpack that in just a minute. So we go immediately into the presence of the Lord, and we do know one another. Here's the second half of this question. I will come back to what I just brought up. What about um, ministering? What happens? People lose a very close loved one and they feel like they sense them. Now, there's probably a brain endomorphin type thing that provokes some of that, that would explain some of it. But if there's something real going on, how is that happening? Let me just share a passage of scripture for you. Um, Do you remember when Jesus was telling a story and he he was trying to illustrate what happens after death? There was a rich man who indulged himself and ignored a poor man outside his gate every day, which from the Jewish perspective, he should be almsgiving. He should be ministering to that man who's right at his doorstep and he ignored it. And so Jesus says, they both die. They, you know, the, the poor man goes into Abraham's bosom, which means he goes to heaven, where he's comforted, and the rich man goes the other place. And Jesus doesn't mince words. He, he speaks ten times more about hell than he does about heaven. And so he says, this other place is happening, and Lazarus is down, or, or uh, Lazarus is the poor man, and the rich man is there. Child, he says, when he says, please send Lazarus down to cool the, the, my tongue. Give me a little comfort here. Abraham says to him in Jesus' parable, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' bad things, but now he is being comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, here it comes, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed. In order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able and none that cross over from there to us either. Probably no cross-ventilation going on. Probably none. Now, what can happen? What can happen? I believe, and uh, I was recently listening. Anybody remember? Or here, we're going to date ourselves. Anybody an old Keith Green fan. Anybody remember Keith Green? Yay, Dr. Ashley, you're a Christian. Okay, and uh, yeah, Keith Green. Huh? Yeah, that's the test right there. In his song, um, Hear the Bells Ringing, they're singing that Jesus says, right, you can be, the second verse says, you can be born again. And it says, you can be healed right now. It says, the angels, they all surround us, and they are ministering Jesus' power. Quickly now, reach out and receive it. This could be your glorious hour. That theology was accurate. The angels ministered to us. They ministered to Jesus. They've ministered to other prophets. They ministered to the saints. Sometimes I think when we're sensing, oh, my lost relative that I loved and adored, I can sense him. He's helping us. It may be the angels of God helping us. It could be a deception, but it can also be that his angels minister. By the way, let me tell you why I believe that. How do people who go to uh, Pomus, or what's the word I'm looking for? Necromancy. Necromancy? You go to a medium to call up your dead relatives. Okay, let me make it simple. The technical word, yeah, Seances can do that, right? So you're calling up the dead, and, and a spirit starts communicating through that person, or they're a really good charlatan. But they start telling you things no other person can. Well, demons have been around for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. They've been watching you, watching your relatives. Oh, I hate to tell you this. There may be one or two assigned to your family just to trip you up and, huh? Only one only one, well, in your case, anyway, <laughs> totally busting you. That is not, I'm not being stupid here. I'm not. What was that? First Samuel, yep. Can't go there right now, but yes. 
So my point is, if they're able to imitate things about your long-lost relatives, can't the angels minister to us also? They're angelic beings that have fallen. So you always have to learn how to discern. How can you tell between the right and the wrong? We don't have time for that today. It's my secret. You have to pay me to get... No, I'm kidding. Okay? So here's what it says. Besides all this, there's a great chasm fixed between us. So, what about that serving? Probably angelic ministry to us. If you saw the movie Ghost, which was actually, I have to confess, it's one of my favorites, even though theology's all wrong. It's all wrong. But that concept is where people live today. And it's just not the truth. You have to find out, am I being played by the enemy? Is God trying to reach out to me? Boy, I got to stay on track. My, my mind's going, woo! But here's what the scripture says. We definitely don't pray to those people for help. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one we get through to God and make our petitions through him. That is what the scripture teaches. All right, now Q&A. We'll take a little pause. Yes. Coming. Oh, there's a great question. I'm not going to answer that one. No, I'm I'm kidding. That's a great question. We're coming up to that very text. So, if I don't if I don't touch into it, then that's when we do it. Okay. Anyone else? Everybody lost? Okay, you all with me? Question, question. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This young lady was asking first. I'm sorry. Ladies first. I'm still old-fashioned enough. Ladies first. I'm confused about people who pray to saints for help. Okay. The question is, and thank you, was it Jay? Were you the one that told me? Repeat the question. Somebody told me. Repeat the question. Um, Praying to saints, yes. Uh, it is a Catholic dogma, okay? It's not biblical. I already, well, we already just answered that. But, but if, uh, oh, well, Save the Whales, uh, Star Trek, remember that? They quote uh, from Hamlet, angels and ministers of grace defend us. Well, the angels are ministers of grace, and Jesus is the minister of grace, and the Holy Spirit's a minister, everybody else isn't. Unless God allows it, okay? There's only one reference. People brought up Second uh, Samuel where, where the, uh, the witch of Endor is shocked when she brings up the spirit of Samuel. And we're like, what's going on here? I think that was God. And by the way, it's open to opinion. I could be wrong on this and so could other people. Uh, but I think God allowed Samuel to show up just like Elijah and Moses showed up to comfort Jesus at this moment showed up just to interfere and pronounce judgment on Saul's wickedness because he was doing exactly what the Bible said, never do. You understand why going to the occult is so evil? It's not just cutesy. God calls his people. Shouldn't, shouldn't my people approach me for what they need? Instead, they go to the dead or they go to the, to the enemy, go to Satan's work, um, and that's why it's so offensive. It's not just ignoring God. It's, it's one thing to ignore God. It's another thing to turn my back on him and go to his enemy for the information and power that I want. Does that make sense? So if I'm going to a magician, I've got amulets and talismans and little magical things and all of that. I'm turning my back on God and saying, help me out over here, dark powers. That's what the word occult is. Occult means hidden. And so that's why it's such an affront to God, and that's why there are passages like Deuteronomy 13 and 18 that have a long section listing them by name. Don't do these things. If you're my people, don't do these things, okay? All right, that was a sidebar. Let's talk about the resurrected. Whoa, did I miss... Oh, Gary. Huh? I did. Would you like me to pray over you now so... Question. In your passage, in the passage that you read, it says um, they will be like angels. I think in that, in that no, 
and angels don't have wings unless they choose to manifest. You realize that angels... Yeah. The question is, what does that mean that they're like angels well, in heaven? I just want to... Am I right in, in that fact that it's not that we're going to be like the angels? No, we have resurrected bodies, which we're going to get resurrected bodies that are like Jesus, which is... That's the newest Tesla model, way past what the angels were able to materialize, because angels can only materialize or inhabit human bodies. What do you think demon possession is? Right? So they have to steal it or borrow it. Does that make sense? Whereas we're going to have a resurrected body like Jesus, where he amazingly combines... uh, Oh, let's not get there. Ah, that's, we don't know. We don't know, Doug. The question is, thank you, Robert. The question is, we understand we'll recognize each other. They don't come back. They don't run back and forth and run errands. Those, that's the angels' jobs. Yeah, you hear all kinds of things, right. And we don't know that for sure. We don't know one way. I'm not dogmatic either way on that. Because it's up to God how much he allows people in heaven to see. I just know when I'm in heaven, I'm not sure I want to see a whole lot down here. I'll probably be throwing up. Yeah, like, I'll wait till they get in, you know, when it's all over. Thank you very much. We don't know for sure. Uh, We don't know that either. We don't. We know that God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are interceded. Praying for us. That's the right word. Last question. But we do have in Hebrews talking about we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So in some way... That's... Yeah, the question about we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you all know that section. Actually, I'm going to do an exegetical series because Pastor Derek told me to on, uh, on the book of Hebrews, and that's where that is. And there's a lot of really good stuff in Hebrews. Uh, but that section, let's, let me be clear about the exegesis of that. That's allegorical. It's talking about all the past victors of the faith who are like, in, like you're in a museum and you're looking at all. Now, look at all this cloud of witnesses who are basically saying you can do it. But it's not like they're alive there saying you can do it. So that would be a little bit risky to make that the point of that passage. It could be, but not dogmatically. Okay, end of those questions for now. I'm going to finish with this next section, skip the innocence, because they're innocent. We don't have to talk about that. No, we'll come back to that another time. Here we go. The resurrected. Truly, truly, Jesus said. This, is, this relates to Angela's question about resting. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. By the way, that's a memory verse, everybody. Everybody? Okay. He who hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life. Does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Please read that again. It doesn't say, he who prayed a prayer in Sunday school. It says, he who believes him who sent me, Here's my word, believes, does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, those who hear shall live. Don't marvel at this. An hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear his voice. You hear that? All, all who are in the tombs and shall come forth. Those who did the good deeds to the resurrection of life, those who committed evil deeds to the resurrection of judgment. I wish Jesus would be nice and sweet all the time. But these are his words. There are human beings are destined for life, always have been. Death is anti-God. God is pro-life, totally, in the fullest sense of the word. And so, when Jesus died on the cross, he engaged the entire human race in this process of being redeemed. Resurrection is going to happen for everybody. That doesn't mean everybody gets heaven. But that resurrection is going to happen. It says it right there. 
So they live. Those who, and so I'm going to run right into the next passage in order to answer the question that ties into uh, Mrs. Ogden's question as well. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, everybody will recognize this Thessalonian passage, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. Two expressions. Fallen asleep and, what was it that you read? Uh, you will rest. Rest, fallen asleep. Even sounds the same, right? I'm going to go sleep. I'm going to go rest. That's the language of the Bible for saints. Old Testament and New Testament, saints have fallen asleep, meaning they're done working in this world for now. They're done. It doesn't mean they're not awake in the presence of Jesus. Their bodies are sleeping. Okay? That's what it's referring to. And so it goes on and says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and by the way, with the whole sky lighting up like an atomic thing, yeah. And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Amen. We shall be with the Lord forever. So those who are dead in the grave, and I'm going to just tell you, time is a funny kind of thing. At the moment that Jesus returns, we're going to see the dead in Christ rise from their grave. It means they won't, they won't beat us out. Uh, the ones who are alive will be translated. They'll get their resurrection body, not unlike, who was it in the Old Testament? Enoch. Maybe Elijah. They get their resurrection body. We're all now translated into our resurrection bodies to meet the Lord in the air. Now we're ready for full-time eternal business because we've got the right body. Yes, ma'am. So are you saying that prior to the resurrection, when someone dies, their spirit goes to heaven until the resurrection? Until the resurrection. Yes. Prior to the resurrection, their body dies, their spirit's in the presence of God... And then they get reunited with their body. Here's the, as far as we know. But here's the problem. We're stuck in time. I, I just got to mess with you. You got to think a little more sci-fi in your head. Time, I mean this really. Time doesn't matter when you step into eternity. All of a sudden you're out in eternity. How do you know everybody didn't get their resurrection body already? I think they do. The minute you die, poof. We don't know about it on the planet until Jesus comes out. Oh, there they are with their resurrection bodies. Why do I think that? I'm going to tell you why. You can disagree with me on this, and I won't throw you out of the church. Believe me. That was, that was a little joke. Uh, you know, it's not a major of the faith. But let me tell you why I believe that. In the Old Testament, you have these references like Enoch being translated. Elijah gets swept up in the heaven. Where does body go? They never found it, remember? That's in there on purpose. He was probably translated. Read carefully the accounts of the resurrection. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the temple curtain was torn in two, right? The Bible says many of the saints appeared. They came out of the tombs and showed themselves. Can you imagine the freaking out sessions? Going on the day of the resurrection when Aunt Tilly showed up. Hi, remember me? I've been praising God for a while, but guess what? Woohoo! Here I am. And the Bible says we never saw them again. They were resurrected. Exactly. And that, well, we don't know that, but being. So resurrection happened in installments in the Bible. And when you get to the. Uh, trying to figure out the seven last years of history, you know. In the middle of it, the two prophets get killed and they rise from the dead. I mean, we don't know how many installments there have been. So my opinion, this is my opinion, nobody has to agree with me, that when we die, I have a suspicion we receive our resurrection body immediately. But we don't know about that in history until Jesus comes back and wham. 
And those of you who have the fortune or misfortune, depending on how how history is going to go here in the next few years, of being here alive when Jesus shows up, you're going to go, that, just like that. <laughs> Whoo, ha, ah, wow. Put away the gym. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't need the total gym anymore. Woohoo! You know, bam, just like that. Who, what, who did I miss? My mommy says it's getting late. <laughs> My lovely wife. What's your question? No, you can. Oh, great question. Thank you so much. This, this just came to me this last week from several. So what about cremation? Right? Let's, let's be really candid. All right, so some Christians think that that's, that's sacrilegious. And in the Old Testament, there was at least one event or times when they would dig up the bones of false prophets and burn them on an altar. It was an act of desecration, but that was to make a judgmental statement against the evil that those people did. It had nothing to do with burial. Think about it. The saints were eaten by lions, burned at the stake, murdered, their bodies splattered all over the place sometimes. I'm sorry to be so graphic, but the early church grew immensely because of the blood of the saints, the martyrs. So if that happened and you were burned, and some of our reformer brothers in the 1500s were burned at the stake, that was customary practice. Is God hamstrung and can't raise them from the dead? Of course they're going to rise from the dead. So the, the question becomes, is that okay for Christians to do that? My opinion would be yes. Unless you're doing something, the whole point of it is, am I trying to be sacrilegious and hate on God in some way, uh, dishonoring the body? Because you understand the body that's been given to us is good. It's a good thing. It's made in a way that honors God, and so it's supposed to be honored and protected. You should be honoring and protecting your body in the here and now. Do you understand that now? Uh-oh, now I'm meddling. So we'll drop that for now. But no, I don't believe that it's wrong, per se. Great question. Did I finish all my stuff? Yes. We who are alive will meet him in the air, right? Amen. Okay, so does that explain rest? We're in rest or we have fallen asleep until the great resurrection. So here's the last thing I want to say. I'm going to skip the last one. I'll pick it up because i got one more week to preach on questions and answers from the Daily Bible. I'm, in, I'm going into a very difficult time for me personally in terms of moving and stuff like that. And so um, I'm going to lean on my staff a little bit. But you love their preaching, so hey, amen, right? I'm here next week. So we're talking about life beyond the grave. I have quoted this book several times, Brooke Bruce Wilkinson's A Life God Rewards. It's part of the trio that started with the prayer of Jabez, Secrets of the Vine, and then this one. I just want to read a couple of things by way of the importance of us having our eyes set on our possessions in the future. Because I don't think we always get it. The teachings of Jesus show us how there are two keys that determine everything about your eternity. First key is your belief. This key unlocks the door to eternal life and determines where you will spend eternity. Do you believe in the one who sent him? Have you trusted him? Are you following him? If you're not following him, you probably didn't trust him. I'm just being blunt. The second key is your behavior. Oh, man. It unlocks the door to reward and determines how you will spend eternity. Oh, baby. Listen, this fall we're starting, uh, for those who want to walk through it, nobody has to, but uh, Dave Ramsey, where's Glenn, right? Dave Ramsey, his program of learning how to save, and his theme is live now like nobody else so you can live later like nobody else. He's talking about having a nice retirement because you learned how to discipline yourself now. He even includes tithing in there. What a busybody. But anyway, 
My point is this. Live now like nobody else so that you can live later like nobody else. That's the gospel. Live now like nobody else. Give your life for what really matters so you can live later like nobody else. Enough said. Enough said. Our opportunity in this life is to get our hands on some kingdom work. And Harmony has some kingdom work it needs to do. So put your hands on it, all right? Let's stand together. We'll close in prayer. If you're wondering what does it mean to trust him or you know, hey, I got to get into that, I'm up here. I'd be happy to talk with you and pray with you as you invite Christ into your life. King Jesus, I look at that cross on the screen and I recognize you went through death's door that way because it was the only way to rescue us from all the dirt we were going to make in this world. Thank you that you have secured everything we've been talking about this morning. We don't earn it. We don't manufacture it. You've done it all. All we can do is receive it and then work with it. Help us to do that. Help your people to have ears to ears, eyes to see, hands to learn and do, feet to move, mouths to speak, all for your honor and your glory. Help us here. In the great name of Jesus, we pray for your help and we ask for your angelic protection around your people this week. Bring us together again week after week that we might be built up in our most holy faith and that, Lord, your blessing on us might spill over to the people around us. We pray this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day, especially if you like hot weather. Ha, ha, ha.